everybody. I'm Jamin. I'm Tyler. And you are listening to the 1208-Bit Nerd Church Podcast, uh, which uh, was founded by 1208 Greenwood, um, Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, a Flatiron District. There's a dinner church. And then a few years ago, or one year ago, almost... Was it one? It was yeah, one year. All right, it's like the anniversary of twelve oh eight bit. We started Nerd Church, and it's still been going on. Of course, coronavirus has made things interesting. But of all the churches that nearly switched seamlessly, <laughs> Nerds did a pretty good job of. All right, we'll see you on the interwebs next week playing video games. Um, but we thought uh, with the launch of Jackson Cloud, twelve oh eight's new online church that uh, we're planting. Um, that uh, we would kind of raise up these other podcasts to give people more of the Jackson Cloud Network, talk about all different kinds of things, give Nerd Church the space to go into more stuff. And so uh, Tyler is uh, one of the lead pastors of this, as well as myself. And we're just going to be talking about all things nerd. So we know it's a niche audience, um, but uh, <laughs> but it is an audience. In fact, um, you know, Someone at Nerd Church this past week was talking about just how cool it's been. Usually he had to separate, like I go to church and I have to kind of fit one paradigm. And then I go to like gaming communities and I fit this other paradigm. With Nerd Church, I get to be both, you know, like I could be a nerd and a Christian. Yeah. And I'll have to separate that. So. Yeah, I really love that too. Uh, when I, whenever I'm at Nerd Church, uh, I can be that gaming self and my, that nerdy self along with my like my my uh, want to be a, uh, a Christian and everything. I can, I can talk about those things openly and how they relate. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what, what this podcast is going to turn into as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be talking about nerdy things. We're going to be talking about a lot of the, uh, the Christian things. We're going to go into religion. We're going to talk about a little bit how it relates and, uh, and go back and forth uh so we could probably just jump right into uh what we're talking about now right with Lord, uh, right. lord of the rings right yes which should be fresh in my mind for two reasons one i watched all the extended editions of lord of the rings in one day during <laughs> coronavirus because i had the time two i watched the hobbit movies more recently i know your favorite mm. Mm. And that was sar- that was a sarcastic right there and then um Thirdly, you just took us through a whole Lord of the Rings series at Nerd Church. So I did. We hit on a few themes that we find throughout that, but man, this thing is loaded. We should probably, just in case people don't know who J.R.R. Tolkien is and just kind of some of his background, might be good to start there. Because I know when Lord of the Rings first came out, well, I should tell you my story. Oh, okay. We went to see it at the Dollar Theater. What, what's a what's a dollar theater, Jamin? They used to have these, man. <laughs> you just go pay one dollar, and the movie would have come out a few months beforehand. So it would oh. it would get to the secondary theater. You go pay a buck or two, and then watch a movie. Anyways, we'd always go watch movies for cheap and make fun of them. So <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting in some real trouble at Spider Man with the guy in front of me. Uh, but Lord of the Rings, we all went we're like, yeah, we don't know what this is. A Lord of a Ring? <laughs> Sounds stupid. So, you know, we go to see this, uh, unaware of, first off, the Christian background of Tolkien, but um, also no idea what this is about. And we did not care. And by, like, the end of the movie, we're all like, what's going to happen? Are they going to live? 
when's the next movie come out? So, like, this was one of these rare moments where, like, a movie we went to see thinking it was just going to be dumb. We were all like, this is crazy. Um, but, yeah, now by now, you know, like, if you know anything about Tolkien, he sounds like fiction himself because he hung out with C.S. Lewis. Oh, yeah. Like, it sounds like the beginning of a joke. Lewis and Tolkien are sitting in a bar. And well, yeah, they literally. That's were, what right? they did. Yeah, yeah they, they, they had a club um, where they would sit around. The and, Inklings. And the Inklings, yeah, and they would sit around and they would just uh, just can't go through a huge amount of of a literature that they had written, um, and they would just critique each other a little bit. They were they were crazy about their critiquing too, like super hardcore about their critiquing. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as uh, Tolkien would actually go, as far as uh, saying that Lewis's works were were less than because he would use uh, would use uh, direct like metaphor and stuff like that you know like Aslan is Jesus and it was like pretty obvious and Tolkien was <laughs> like that's not how you write it has to be symbolic and just barely mean anything and he would go as far as to say that Lord of the Rings wasn't a Catholic work um, however the more you look into it and the more the way that he what he means by that is it's supposed to tell a story of his life, right? The story of how how everyone kind of comes into Christianity, how you grow within Christianity, and, and you see that throughout the work. There's um, there's but that goes through Tolkien's life first, right? So when uh, you take it back on his life, he comes from uh, England and Europe, as C.S. Lewis does too, um, where life is a bit more um, simple back then. But you see a lot of industry starting to come in and a lot of the world uh, starting to go mechanical and industrial. And uh, both Tolkien and Lewis see this as a a threat to um, not just the world, but also Christianity. It's this idea that that God is in the world and we should find God not just in ourselves, but in the world around us. And that's where you see Middle Earth kind of take off is evil is trying to destroy the world um, while good is trying to build it and, and rebirth it. And you see that throughout Tolkien's life specifically, um, where even though his, his family members are dying while he's growing up very young, um, he continues to go on and push and become closer to God. And eventually he ends up getting married and uh, falling in love. And he writes in uh, his, actually, the Silmarillion, he writes uh, Baron Luthien, which is this really great love story, which is based off of him and his uh, wife. His grave actually says Baron and Luthien um, hmm. instead of him and his wife's name. John Rule Rao Tolkien, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you uh, it's really crazy how when you look at his life and you look at Lord of the Rings and the Silmarillion and all the, the all of the many source books for Lord of the Rings, um, what Christianity had to do with his life. But uh, I guess uh, if you, you just went through The Hobbit, we'll start there. So how do, you, how do you feel about The Hobbit then? So I'm in the minority when I would say that the first Hobbit is one of my favorite Lord of the Rings movies. I'd agree with you, honestly. Really? Yeah, the first Hobbit's really good. The first one, I just, I don't know, there's a sense of adventure, mm-hmm. little guy leaving the small town, go out on a mission. I enjoy the... And also, because you had already seen the Lord of the Rings movie, there is some nostalgia to be plummeting back right into that world, uh, right back in the Shire starting there. But uh, I really enjoy the first one. From there, it gets really long-winded. But I would say I enjoyed it more the second time around than the first time around because the first time around, you're always a bit more judgmental and 
and whatnot. Whereas the second time around, I was more like, eh, I already have a feeling on this. I'm just going to pay more attention to, to what's going on. So didn't dislike it as much the second time. It's just that last movie is just like... Oh, it drags. It's just one big war Yeah. when all of a sudden some like CGI Viking enters the scene who doesn't match anything on else. A <laughs> on a goat. <laughs> and then it doesn't match anything else. Oh, You're like, yeah. what is happening? Uh, and this weird love story that you're never really sure what to do with. Between yeah, okay. <laughs> None of that even existed in the books. Yeah. Uh, so, like, when I'm whenever I think of The Hobbit, I think of one of the first books that I actually read. It was one of my, my favorite books because as a, as a child, I just kind of, like, picked it up at the library. Um, and I just started pouring through it and uh, reading some of it. And I, so I always heard these stories... Because um, Lord of the Rings was made when I was still pretty young, like the movies. Yeah. Um, made when I was still pretty young. Uh, so I thought that these stories that I was hearing from like adults were like fairy tales that like had been told, like these trolls that had been turned to stone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I'd heard them, but then when I read the book and they were like, that's where I was. I was like, whoa, wait. This is where those fairy tales come from. It's it's not like real world history. It's a fake world history. How does that work? And I I, I just loved that how uh, there was already a world that existed in the Hobbit, and it just kind of places you on this adventure to just start feeling out what the world is, and and you meet characters that are going to be like huge to the world, that are going to mean the mean the most to the world, and you're just kind of like introduced to them, and it just it's such a great intro to a series. Um, it was the first book that Tolkien wrote for the Lord of the Rings, um, was The Hobbit. And it was just kind of the start of his world building. It was great. Yeah, the uh, and that was, yeah, you just said the first book, right? Yep. Yeah, because that, that's part of what's just so interesting to me is that first book is fairly short. Very short, yeah. <laughs> Compared to the other ones. And it, it kind of doesn't seem like. You know, what Lord of the Rings evolves into is like this deep, detailed history of a world just with villages and towns and all this. It's just like, it's part of the reason it's hard to be like, this was history, right? Because (laughs) who would write all these details for a fictional book? Likewise, who would read this? Because that was, that was even, I remember listening to a speech that Lewis gave or reading the the script mm-hmm. <laughs> when he gave I think for Tolkien uh, like a like a celebration of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> if I remember right, Tolkien's basically like, we weren't sure anyone was going to get into this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but sure enough, he's a, he's created a whole new genre that of way of writing that people enjoy. And, yeah, and he made a language up for it. I yeah. mean, uh, Elvish is completely even some Orcish is is made um, an entire language. For, for just a book series mm-hmm. um, for a fantasy world that he created and he just started to live in and really uh, really dive deep into. And he inspired a lot of writers that ended up coming out. Um, even for like uh, The Song of Ice and Fire, um, which is George R. R. Martin, which I know isn't, you know, the, the most churchy book. And uh, mm-hmm. we probably would never talk about it, unfortunately. Um, but minus all of the, the details that go into more of the sinful nature of the world, um, he, he takes a lot of his myth-building of the world mm-hmm. from the way Tolkien did. And what he, all that is is taking from history itself mm-hmm. and rewriting it into a, historical, into a new historical setting that's fake. 
and uh, it, it's it's really inspirational because um, now video games are all referencing back to Tolkien's the way that Tolkien did his work. Now all of these these new mediums are deciding to reference back to Tolkien because he came up with this way of just easily referencing um, the fake stories that already existed in the world, like Vikings and uh, all of that. It's it's, it's really fun to look into. Um, but even even more on that, uh, with Lord of the Rings itself and the books, uh, just the, the return of the king in itself, not like the book itself, but like the idea of the king returning um, is such a Christian uh, idea. You okay there, Jamin? Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah? Okay. Sorry, my, chair made a, <laughs> my chair made a very squeaky noise. Sure, Jamin, we can say that. It was a chair! <laughs> All right, but uh, the... With the return of the king, it's such a religious moment when you realize that it's a Jesus moment. But he doesn't just put the Jesus moment with just one character, though, right? Mm. He puts the Jesus moment with almost all of his characters. Everyone that was evil and becomes good has a redemption story. Um, or every every uh, character that does some kind of sacrifice is referencing the way that Jesus sacrificed. And I think, in the way that I interpret Tolkien's work, um, I think that's supposed to be encouraging us to take on that noble role of sacrifice instead of the, the role of... Um, of the pursuer, like we always view, um, the ring shows a lot of people that they're going to conquer the world. They're going to go out and they're going to fight with the sword and they're going to kill someone. And it's going to be this momentous occasion. They're going to get a huge amount of titles and names and they're going to, they're going to be loved by everyone. But the person who was actually the hero of the story, Samwise Gamgee, this little hobbit servant boy, um, is when he's shown a vision of conquering people, he doesn't want that. He would he would rather sacrifice himself to see everyone else be happy in the world, and in that moment he beats the power of the ring. The ring doesn't stop him from taking Frodo, helping Frodo get to the rest of his journey. The ring doesn't stop him from carrying Frodo up uh, Mount Doom. You know, it's it's pretty pretty amazing when you uh, when you think about Samwise's story and just how much he, as a servant position. Um, because in Tolkien's world, there's a hierarchy of people, um, both spiritual and physical. And uh, when you start to see that hierarchy, because Gandalf's an angel, and a lot of people wouldn't know that. It's, it's crazy um, how much detail. When he got him with The Hobbit and went into Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. he just like blew up the world. And he was just like, okay, how do I want to write a world? Well, yeah. in our world, God exists, so there's a God. And he just went from there and just took it to extremes. So, like, when you were first watching Lord of the Rings, when you were at the theater, mm. um, that the dollar theater, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which apparently you didn't have. I, I've <laughs> never, yeah, I've never been there. Uh, but when you were at the theater, how did, uh, how was your experience? What were you feeling when you first watched Lord of the Rings? Uh, it was so long ago, I don't really remember. I just remember, like, we're kind of there to have a good time for the first half. I think after, like, Frodo... You know, under my axe. When you get to that part, oh, yeah, yeah. we're all just like, "Oh man, this is this just suddenly got intense." Where's this headed? <laughs> and then we're kind of like locked in for the rest of it. And by the end, you know, uh, at least they, at least they ended with Boromir's death rather than Tolkien's. <laughs> Wasn't that the famous words in the second book? And Boromir was dead, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah, it's or, yeah. pretty. It's pretty straightforward. Boromir's just dead. You just start right there. Yeah. Well, with the you know by the end of it, you've got Boromir going out, and then they break up the fellowship, and you're just like, 
it's over like that's what's gonna happen so like i remember the intensity but again you know i wasn't looking for deep meaning i was just thinking this is like a hollywood fantasy movie yeah and then the more i start to hear about lord of the rings and hear youth pastors talking about when i'm like wait a minute what <laughs> christians don't have cool culture like I, <laughs> we we don't have this and so from there on out, just came some really cool to look into yeah well that's another aspect that you're just touching on uh, like the christian cool culture and everything for some reason like it got really popular to like to be like into fantasy for a little bit when lord of the rings came out and that was so nice uh because people wanted to talk about it but then it's now we're back to Lord of the Rings is a nerdy thing. Hmm. And uh, you're nerdy if you're into Lord of the Rings. You know, all the cool people are into Game of Thrones. Oh, and uh, so uh, to be able to reference back to Lord of the Rings and everything, I, I think that's one of the differences is in something like a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire is the book series name. Hmm. Um those characters, it's it's real life. It's, you know, you're going to go out and do something, and if if killing the person gets you something better, then you'll take that physical thing every time because that's, that's just how that book series works. To where in Tolkien's work, he references more, there's more to this life than what the world can give you. And I think that's something that's so special about Tolkien's work that... Uh, that when you start to ponder it, start to realize it, your life begins to change because that's where my life changed. Mm. Um, it wasn't necessarily that I was a Christian when I was reading this because I wasn't. Um, I was reading these books and starting to develop better habits as a human being based off of how Tolkien was writing his characters. I wanted to be like Aragorn. How do I be like Aragorn? Well, I have to take up responsibility. You know, he's running away from all his responsibilities. I need to, I need to start taking up responsibility. How do I, I want to be like Samwise Gamgee. How do I be like him? Well, I got to sacrifice and give away things. I got to be willing to give up my time for things. And that's how you start to start to change things. And that, it was always that for me was always so, so impactful. Um, I know we'll, we'll probably eventually talk about C.S. Lewis where you can go over this part, <laughs> where you can go over how impactful that was for you. Yeah. Um, but was there any impact for when you were reading Lord of the Rings? Uh, yeah, I, so I need to do it again because I did the audiobooks mm. and I didn't pay close enough attention to people, place names, things oh. like that. And if you don't do that, like with non, with nonfiction audiobooks, you, if you miss a piece, whatever, you're going to pick up on the part that yeah. matters next, you know, you miss a piece in a fictional audiobook and you're like, what are they talking about? <laughs> so that happened to me at Lord of the Rings. When I got to the third one, I understood nothing that was happening. But um, but I continually got this uh, message. It's especially interesting for Tolkien because, you know, he he ended up in the war and all that mm -hmm. along with Lewis. Um, but with Tolkien, there's this message throughout of like, you know, don't, don't kill this. Do you have... Do you have the ability to judge whether someone's worthy of life or death? To the point that it's even like at the end of the entire book, you know, that what didn't make the movie still kind of bothers me. Yeah. You know, because Sauron's death ends up being a Hollywood Game of Thrones example of yeah. like, let's just kill off the bad guy. Yeah, that's what we all want. Watch him fall off the roof and get impaled by a yeah. spike at the bottom or something. Whereas in the book, like, Sauron tries to take over the Shire. Frodo gets home. Mm -hmm. Sam wants to kill him, if I remember right. And Frodo's just like, no. 
Because they get to the point where they can. And he's yeah. just like, no, don't kill him. And, and Sauron's like, ooh, that hurts. You, I'd rather you just kill me. Now I have to live in the fact that you yeah. gave me forgiveness. And I'm like, oh, what a what a crazy, bold Christian message, especially from someone who used to be a warrior, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, there, there's a Jesus element right there that's like, wow. Didn't see that coming as your ultimate ending to this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, and, and I think that even, even the fiction after that, everyone tries to make their fantasy into uh, this, like, real-world gritty darkness. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the unexpected is that the, the hero decides to not, like, to not uh, be gentle and to to not forgive and to not um to to not be uh what's what's the word i'm looking for is it anyway it's to not be uh to not give them mercy that's the word mercy to not give them mercy mercy uh so when, when i'm looking at the last last book and how it's all ending um i start to think about you know in the books that's not in the the show as well they kind of they kind of show Frodo that it's going to happen, but then it doesn't, is the Shire being destroyed. Yeah. Um, the world's kind of just destroyed um, when they're done in the books. And the world's a mess. Everything is uh, has been given over to evil, and now everyone has to rebuild. And I, I think that's just... That, that's something that I think a lot of us don't don't want to do in the real world as well. Yeah. Is we, we don't want to admit that when there's bad things that are happening and it's destroying everything that we have to then go and rebuild that, right? Like when you have a bad relationship with someone and it's been totally destroyed, um, we don't want to try to rebuild that relationship. But it's necessary if we want to see the kingdom of heaven come to that relationship again. Um, and, and, you know, there are relationships, obviously, that aren't, that aren't neat. They're, they're gone. They're not just ruins. They just don't exist anymore. Um, and that's, that's the healthiest way to be. But it speaks to it even more. And when you think about it, even in the biggest picture, right, uh, is that the, the kingdom of heaven is coming now. And the people that are on earth now have a chance to start building that kingdom um, from what Jesus, the, the sacrifice that Jesus had. So, yeah, read the end of Tolkien's books uh, because there's so much more to that. Uh, that is a Christian me- message, and not just a Christian message, but like philosophical message for people. Um, he goes into his uh, in kind of a, a theological explanation. Why is Frodo heading off into this area that only elves go to? Like a lot of questions that when you start to ask why it's happening, you can only answer it if you understand that. Tolkien was Christian. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the mad irony of the Hollywood version, too, is it takes on the standard Christian feeling of mm-hmm. Frodo's now kind of dying and going to heaven. And, you know, yeah. It's like, okay, that's even the general Christian like message rather than go back and bring heaven here. and things. I, I, I digress. But uh, also, just correct myself, I said Sauron fell off. Of, yeah, I, I knew what you meant. Well, nerds are listening. So just to clarify, I meant Saruman. Sorry, excuse me. Right, I said. <laughs> well, yeah, Saruman falls off the his, his tower yep. and uh, gets impaled in the... Yeah, yeah. Uh, just want to make sure I'm saying the right people here before I get nerd yelled at. Um, yeah, Sauron is a... Uh, disembodied eye. A very evil <laughs> uh, 
entity. He's also he was he's a fallen angel. Yeah. Well, there's another. Yeah. Yeah, he's like uh, he's evil Gandalf, but much stronger. Yeah. Which ooh, we could dive into some of those. Those were some. I'm always interested if Tolkien understood the biblical realm better than most Christians oh, and just yeah. like put it into because you know like even the um, I understood better this time around because when I watched all the Lord of the Rings back to back I'm like I'm going to pay attention to place names people <laughs> names I'm going to get it this time and like uh, the orcs are what they're they're kind of like earth, earth. Yeah. yeah they're earth made with trees yeah I, I was Fire. trying to but are they are they like part human kind of, but not? Uh, in the movies. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't remember. So like they they're made from like the earth and uh, the magic of like nature. Okay. Um, they're kind of seen. So this is where a lot of people. Uh, this is where kind of race gets thrown into it a lot too, um, because everyone kind of goes back in fantasy culture that like Tolkien was racist because he made black people as orcs. And uh, I just want to make that clear that that's not what Tolkien was doing there. Um, Tolkien was talking about a, a made-up race of uh, beings that are made out of evil, like pure evil. Um, he, did, he was racist in the sense that he didn't add anybody in, but that was his culture that he was currently in. I'm sure if he was alive today, he would probably take that back but didn't add anybody in as in as in there's no black characters okay gotcha there's no black characters there's only like two women in the entire series so yeah like tolkien has his has his downfalls there and i think that's something that we can learn from like throughout time right Mm -hmm. like uh don't be like tolkien when it comes to writing females into your books um actually give them something to do put put women in charge of things which i'm trying to remember is uh, the one character is that from Hollywood as well, or is that... Uh, Which character? The one who tries to blend in as a yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. The they mixed a few characters together. To make her. Um, yeah, there's there's a few different... They, like, switched some roles for two of the characters that existed in the okay. books. I just know that part in the movie is, like, explicitly kind of like a female empowerment moment. So I was trying to remember if Tolkien had That line that. exists, yeah. Okay, all right. So, so you see some there but yeah the uh it's just interesting to me you know like this has had such a huge impact even like D. I was reading through oh yeah uh empire of imagination which was a it's a book about kind of gary gygax and like i was surprised when i was reading it's like basically when they created the entire game this is basically like a lord of the rings game or like just highly inspired trying to make those characters yeah, all work of the, in it. So everyone uh, that plays D and D knows that like the four main races, right? Mm-hmm. So you have humans, elves, dwarves, and halflings in D and D because hobbits are copyrighted. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so, so your halflings in D and D and hobbits, uh, but those are your four main races because that's what Tolkien wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone that made fantasy after that point, um, you have to have those four races. Halflings and hobbits have actually been left out though a lot in uh, a modern races like outside of D&D D&D keeps them but if you look into like um, even the new movies like with the new Hobbit movies and stuff like that the Hobbits are in there there's only one Hobbit and they get back to Hobbits and there's Hobbits and everything but they 
they kind of do away with like hobbits being a big point where in Tolkien's work, the hobbits were kind of like the English um, in his writing. So it's, it's strange that we've strayed completely away, but also at the same time, D and D has been so like put on the, like just rode the, the fame of Tolkien. Yeah. Even to the sense that D and D actually, uh, Gary Gygax himself was known to be, uh, he didn't like, yeah, Lord he wasn't Rings. into Lord of the Rings. He, was, he thought it was too boring yeah. or something. So it Just wasn't, wanted the action It wasn't part. real enough. Like, yeah. the action didn't feel real. Um, people weren't making real decisions to him. Um, and that's where that, like, that shift there at that time, um, you'll see, like, the Wheel of Time series also kind of goes in that direction where, oh, well, that's... No one likes soft magic systems anymore, which is Lord of the Rings, where magic is, like... Um, mystical and you don't know really what how it works um, so everyone was trying to do like a hard magic system gotcha. at that time so you see uh, Dungeons and Dragons well if you're going to play a game you have to know how magic is going to work in that game or the player can't use it right mm. so hard magic it's, it's set rules as to how magic works and people got away from uh, from that for a while like if you read any books that came out in the like 60s and a little later um, you're going to start seeing more um, hard hard magic systems. Um, really anything that you play a game, you're going to have to have a harder magic system just so that the player can actually understand how they're using magic. Um, but there's some mystery to it still. And Lord of the Rings really kicks off all of that. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're going to have a whole talk on D&D for sure. <laughs> um, that's I don't want to talk too much about it. But, yeah, I, I, I like D&D, guys. Yeah. Which we just uh, came from painting some D&D minis just 30 minutes ago. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, my guy has uh, rather derpy eyes, but <laughs> I'll try to fix it later. Uh, but, yeah, I think, man, I just, when I think of nerdum and Christianity, like Lord of the Rings is one of the main things. It's so cool that we get to own. And, you know, some some people just look at it like it's a book, but, like, for some people, this is literally the the crossing into Christian territory, you know? Like, Stephen Colbert, I think, said, like, this saved his life, basically. And yeah. He's a, you know, he's a Sunday school teacher at his church, uh, and, like, he talks about it constantly. Um, I saw the latest Tolkien movie, uh, and Stephen Colbert was there to interview the director, which... You know, one of the saddest things about that movie is it skipped all of the religious aspect of any of his life. And, like, the guy who directed is like, yes, well, you know, we only have so much time to get into things. And I'm like, dude, this is like a main, he's like a very staunch Catholic. He's like, he just skipped, you know, a very key piece of his life. Well, to him, it was probably the most important part of his life. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, you know, the amount of time that he spent uh, making sure that he, he didn't want to make, uh, he, had, he had a mentor that was a priest. Um, he didn't want to make that mentor angry with him, um, but he really wanted to marry this woman that ends up becoming his wife. So he, he put it off. He waited um, uh, because his the, the priest said that he'd have a better marriage if he waited a little bit longer. And so he trusted him and he trusted his, the wisdom of someone that was in the faith. And uh, he said that was one of the better moments of his life because he got to learn how to love his wife more before they got married, which is uh, something that is very important. And when we go through, when, uh, when a lot of pastors are going through premarital counseling and everything, they always talk about how... Um, 
they, they're always worried, you know, does this person, do they feel like this couple is um, going to want to stay together and going to want to work on things? Or are they people that just are gonna, are just in love for the moment, right? Yeah. And, uh, and Tolkien could admit that before that point, he was just in love for the moment. And after he waited a little bit longer, he felt in love for life. And you could tell that in the books that he wrote, the way he wrote them, and how he literally wrote an entire love story based off him and his wife. So Wait, wait, wait. Which one's that? Baron and Luthien. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> I thought you were talking about that weird Oedipus. <laughs> no. no <laughs> I was like, that exists, hang on, though. wait, where are we going with this? <laughs> nope, that exists, though. Look it up, guys. Yeah, what was that one called? I forget the name. But... Yeah, it's an interesting... That is the Lord of the Rings universe, is it? Yeah, there's, there's it's got a, dragons and yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's an Oedipus story. It's like Oedipus. I mean, it's not Oedipus, but no. it's got different. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I just I think it's cool that we get to own this as uh, just like this is what Christianity can do in literature when you're really uh, working to write something of value and, and things like that. I just I had a friend in uh, middle school to high school. His name was Bruce and. He wasn't a Christian, um, kind of the, he was a genius first off, very smart. He knew karate, so you never wanted to make him angry. And then he always had Lord of the Rings in his hand, like always. He was just reading it through over and over again. And the Cimmerillion was more recent, right? Like Yeah, it was published by his son. Was that a few years, like 20-ish years ago, maybe? Yeah, within that span. I remember, like... He had a new one one day. Like, What's going on? Isn't that guy dead or something? He's like, hey, yeah, but, you know, his son put this up. So he's, like, constantly reading. And, like, you know, he he wasn't a Christian, but he really appreciated the value of this. And then a few years back, I guess it was quite a few years back, college or, like, right after college, he, like, emailed me out of the blue. He was like, yeah, you know, like, I became a Christian, just really appreciated the um, – world that you know you helped me see but also like if i remember like right like lord of the rings was a huge influence on that was just the consistent resting in this literature Mm -hmm. seeing the themes knowing that one of your heroes was a christian and and uh this almost otherworldliness to the writing just shining through so and it seemed like probably had an impact on you in some way too. Yeah, I, I actually had a very similar experience. Um, I uh, I personally read Lord of the Rings when I wasn't a Christian, and I read it a few times. Um, I was really into it. I loved it. Um, and then I started to kind of think about again how how was I wanted to be like Aragorn? How could I be like Aragorn? I wanted to be all like all these people, and then I started reading into uh, the Silmarillion and all those expansion, expanded books and everything. I read Leaf by Niggle, um, mm-hmm. which is another great book um, outside of the series. But um, I started getting into like C.S. Lewis's other books and stuff like that, and because they they, they kind of share the same um, feeling, and they, since they're communicating with each other, you get this. This feeling that their universes kind of communicate with each other as well in a weird way, and yeah. so I started to look into those, and uh, that led to me going into into looking into Christianity as well a little bit more. Um, I had a lot of Christian influence in my life. My my grandpa was a um, a priest for a church, um, but I never really felt like I was a part of the faith. Um, I never I had been baptized at a really young age and everything, and um, I had all those experiences. But I, that wasn't 
that wasn't my my life though. Like I was only going to church when my grandparents made me go to church. Um, I didn't feel comfortable in that church or anything like that. I didn't I, I didn't really believe that there was a God or anything. It was just kind of like, okay, yeah, I, I did. I have to do that Christian stuff. Until I started to really dive deeper into Lord of the Rings and to understand um, why why humans act the way we do. And I started to ask myself more philosophical questions then and started learning more about the um, the greater world. I had, you know, existential questions that I wanted to ask myself at those points um, where kind of this, this entire, all of my things that I've had interest in kind of all pulled me back to that I had to, I had to choose something in my life to believe. Um, I was either gonna believe um, in chaos um, with order brought about by, you know, yourself and what you believe, or I was going to believe in, um, that this world isn't perfect at all. There is no good in the world. Everything is bad. And the only thing that I can do is try to separate myself from the world, which is Buddhism. And C.S. Lewis also went through, um, that same question. Uh, or, um, I was going to pose, align myself with, um, something where the world is desperately trying to get back to, what is good. And uh, at times you can see, I, I think that's why Christianity always fit well for me, right? Is because you, you see this this moment and this movement of the world kind of having this, um, this dichotomy of good and evil in it. And there is this, this scale to which people act and it, you're constantly moving along that scale by the actions that you the actions that you make. I, mean, I know it sounds like video games, but that's because that's all I know, guys. Come on. <laughs> but uh, th- that's how the, the choices in the world seem to be. When you make a good choice, it, it feels good. When you do something that's just for yourself or selfish, you feel bad. Um, you can justify that by like moral ideas, right? You can justify that, that um, we as humans are conditioned to feel that way. Um, but... We, we can see children starting off their lives with these kinds of things. Like, how does it make you feel if somebody stole something from you? Oh, that makes them feel bad. And they know that, you know? It's, it's, it's a little bit learned, but there's this innate part of us as humans that knows good and bad and strives to constantly try to do good. No matter how easy it would be for everyone to um, to do to do evil things, um, that is not necessarily evil, right? There's some things that are neutral um, and just don't really matter. Like if I pick up a cup, it's not evil or good, bad, good. But all of those decisions, all of those things, influenced by all the things that we'll be talking about through throughout the next, you know, forever. I'm just gonna right now. Yep. It's going on forever. We're gonna go seven seasons and a movie. <laughs> Uh, but you just community reference right there. Yeah, it's it's a few things referenced. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> but we're, we'll be talking about all those things because all of all of the the nerdy things in my life influenced me to to look to Christianity, even the things that you wouldn't guess. Um, because you know I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit about um how a song of ice and fire goes through some of those ideas of Tolkien and t- pulls um, pulls you in a direction that makes you think more about the world and um, what's wrong with it and how that um, how that can influence your decisions as a Christian. So um, I'd love to talk about more of those things and to get into the idea of, I'd love to go over some sci-fi stuff with you because I don't, 
I was never into sci-fi that much. Oh, that's my yeah, that's my home right there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know about you, but I'm excited to uh, to see where this goes and to see all the things that we can talk about and uh, kind of where it leads us on in a, in a Christian direction as well. Yeah. And speaking of sci-fi and Tolkien, hmm. there is a legend. There's a character named C.S. Lewis has a um, a sci-fi trilogy, mm-hmm. which the second book is especially good. First one's kind of slow, and the third one is so much talking, I don't understand it. But the second one is more or less like, oh, I actually use this in my D&D campaign with the people I was playing this week. You go to a planet where they pass the Garden of Eden, you know, and like, this is what it looks like. Anyways, that's the kind of story I try to tell. But the main character, Ransom, legend is... Or theory is that it's supposed to be Tolkien. Oh. <laughs> like himself. Interesting. Uh, I just found it on Wikipedia. I'm just trying to remember the details. So Ransom is the character's name. Um, in Out of the Silent Planet, which is the first book, it's suggested that Ransom is not the character's real name, but merely an alias for a respectable professor whose reputation might suffer from his recounting such a journey to planet Mars. Um but then in the following books, this is unaccountably dropped and has made clear that Ransom is a character's true name. As befits a philologist, he provides etymology. <laughs> the name does not derive from the modern word Ransom, but rather is a contraction of Old English for R- Ranulf's son. Oh, okay. Which may be another, apparently a... a that's like a Viking. An allusion right? to Tolkien. Yeah. I guess a professor of old English. So, yeah. Yeah. Either way, like, there's this possibility that he cried. I think Lewis had a lot more respect for Tolkien than Tolkien had respect for Lewis, maybe. I don't, I don't know. So, <laughs> so, I mean, they, they clashed a few times oh, pretty sure. harshly towards the end. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, they. That, the Inklings is a great book to, to read. Yeah. Uh, well, let me. It's I have about it right their, here. Uh, their pub. Yes, the fellowship, the literary lives of the Inklings. So, Tolkien, Lewis, and then Owen Barfield and Charles Williams. Who are those guys? They, well, they were apparently really big deals, but for me, I, you know, don't really track with them. But they were all a part of this, what sounds like a mythical bar club. It was a real thing. They get together and go over each other's works, and and uh, yeah, it's just it's cool to look at and just cool to think about. Who would think that writing something that feels, from a glance, looks very secular would have saved lives, made a difference in culture and our world, and completely shifted the land? Like It just seems like that's just a thing that God could do, because you just wouldn't expect it. Again, to the point that when it was released, it's like, this is never going to catch on, and then it does, and you're like, holy crap, it worked. (laughs) Who would have thought? So... Yeah. Interesting about the Inklings, though, is uh, it's kind of what we do, um, what like what we don't do enough nowadays, right? Mm. And that's uh, that's just well, we can't can't do it right now too can't much. Coronavirus, but you, uh, but like meeting up with friends and talking about your your work, right? And having them give you tips and like working with each other and. Um, 
but doing it in a setting that is more relaxed, right? Because yep. a lot of the time, uh, if we're going to talk about work or something, everyone's you know sitting down with a suit and tie and mm-hmm. telling each other, you know, oh well, you're, there's an, uh, there's a comma here that's off, and yeah. you can tell that this group was more about like they, they would get into things. Like, don't get me wrong, they they would get into some things that. Uh, like women being able to be in their club um, was a big deal. C.S. Lewis, uh, very progressive, actually. Um, I think that might have been in the Tolkien movie. I think it yeah. came up as a theme. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, I mean, but they would talk about those things in such a way that uh, it influenced their writing so much, right? They would uh, write back and forth on those things. And I think if we if we showed our friends our works that we wanted to have done, right, whether it be fiction or, or real kind of works, then we could actually see more of the... Uh, more of the, what they get from it, right? And that's that the huge world building. It's the the attention to detail um, because you want to you want to show your friends how much you've been able to like do with this this world that you've created. And I think if we had more of that, uh, we'd see more success and a lot more happiness out of people yeah. with their work, right? Because now it's just like, hey guys, I'm I'm like releasing this book. I hope someone reads it. You know. <laughs> Um, and, and then your friends are like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. But like here it was like, Hey guys, uh, here's 30,000 pages. Could you read this before we're done? Can you know what I mean? Like if we had that, imagine if you had that, like when you're writing a book and you could just like sit down and be like, Hey guys, I know this is a long, they're like, Oh, you got 30,000 pages here, man. They're just like reading through it as fast as they can. Yeah. So like, I, I feel like we'd have a, we'd have more ability to communicate and that that ability to communicate would allow us to reach higher levels of greatness i guess yeah i'd agree yeah well man i know you know you preached a whole series on this for like two months so yeah we certainly could go further but this is a good launch to the podcast especially starting off with lord of the rings one of our favorites and Mm-hmm. And there's definitely more we'll be getting into. You can let us know like what topics you want us to address too. Uh, we like to hit on all things nerdy, you know, even in like video games, movies, like some of the games like you don't even expect that anyone would address. Oh yeah. There's always themes. I'm surprised. Like I know this wasn't supposed to be Christian, but this is shocking right here. You know, like so um, we've got more to get into, and we're excited to see where this goes. But uh, for now. We'll let you all go. It's a 1208-bit Nerd Church podcast. If you would like to uh, help us out, scroll to the bottom, hit those stars buttons, help us get uh, word out about it, and make sure to check out Jackson Cloud, jxncloud.com, to keep up with, with us there and wherever you listen to podcasts. Keep it fresh. Oh, Dog. <laughs> Tyler is trying to come up with his new uh, I don't I have no idea his new slogan on, on his way out eat tacos see I'm into that one <laughs>